red dot here. Thanks everyone for joining us this morning. I am fortunate to have Lieutenant Tarman, the OIC of the Cleveland Medical Recruiting Station with us. And our special guest this morning is First Lieutenant Renee Lawrence. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm good, Sergeant Fitzwater. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, yeah, let's get this thing going. Yeah. Lieutenant Lawrence, good to see you this morning. Thank you very much for taking the time with us. I think we'll just jump right into it. So uh, you commissioned in the United States Army Reserve as a critical care nurse. Is that correct? That is correct, Sergeant Fitzwater. Okay. And so we have a background. We, we've known each other for years and all that. And then I made the transition over to medical recruiting. And then you were in nursing school. And that's something that you wanted to continue and, and uh, uh, get in that that realm. And how many times did I probably ask you uh, if you were interested in the Army Reserve over the years? Over the years, no less than 20. <laughs> no less than 20. But you know what's really interesting in this whole process is that it's just that. It's a process. It's not always the right timing for somebody. Um, you commissioned at what age, Lieutenant Lawrence? 39. 39 years old. So it's not, you know, a lot of times people think in their minds, and Lieutenant Tarman, you could, you, you know, you probably crossed this path as well, that everyone thinks it's a, a young person's game. When I say young, I'm talking 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. And that's not necessarily the case because our medical professionals, for example, uh, have a tendency to be, be in their late 20s and their 30s and even in their 40s, sometimes 50s. It just depends upon where you're at in life. Would you agree with that that sentiment, Lieutenant Lawrence? Oh, absolutely. Um, I trained last year with a couple of physicians that were coming in as direct commissions that were 59, 60, and 61 years old. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. It, you know, it's, it's interesting. So when we talk about that progression and how you get to that point, we've had some people that say, hey, you know what? I want to get in right away so I can take advantage of student loan repayment program or health care or get involved with the Army uh, retirement program or something along those lines. Then we have those individuals that say, you know what, I want to establish myself in private practice or in civilian health care first. And then we see them come to us later on down the road when they've already established themselves and they're looking for a way in which they could go ahead and provide some or actually, actually give back or something along those lines. Um, have you seen that? Lieutenant Lawrence? I have for sure. Um, my peer group in my unit is age 23 to 37. So that's PAs, NPs, um, nurses, and paramedics that are all part of the unit. And they're, they're my peers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think Lieutenant Tarman has a couple of questions for you, Lieutenant Lawrence. Yeah, sure. And just a caveat off what we were just talking about, I think in the time that I've been in the army. Some of my mentors, uh, who've been, I call them mentors, they're the same rank as me, but they are several years older than me. And they bring that knowledge and experience that, uh, some of us younger officers don't necessarily have. So it is good to have people commission and come into the army, uh, and fill those roles for us because there are a lot of younger officers like myself who are looking for that mentorship and guidance. So we appreciate having those types of people come in. Um, just to start it off, uh, if you could tell us uh, what unit you're a part of and what your experience has been, whether that's going to uh, your drill on the weekends or doing any sort of uh, training over the summer. So I am part of the 256 Field Hospital. We're based in Twinsburg, Ohio. We recently converted from a combat support hospital to the field hospital. 
And with the field hospital, I have not done annual trainings yet. That's on hold for this year because I was doing my basic commissioning training last year. So I was exempt from the summer trainings. I have since being part of the program, gone to direct commission course. I have gone to basic officer leaders course. I have finished the first half of captain's career course, which is a distance learning based. And I've been part of the equal opportunity leaders course. That's awesome. It sounds like you've had a bunch of opportunities to get involved in a bunch of different things. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, DCC or the direct commissions course. So this is a course that's only for people that direct commission like yourself, Lieutenant Lawrence, Uh, people without any prior uh, service as an officer in the United States Army will go to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and they participate in the direct commission course. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience doing that? Gladly. When I went to direct commission at Fort Sill, I was one of the first five or six classes to go through Fort Sill. So they were still learning the ropes a little bit. It's a field artillery base. And so they have to wrap their hand around the fact that they're teaching medical providers. It was an interesting dichotomy because you have them, several that were former drill sergeants that are now teaching officers. And for them, it was somewhat uncomfortable because they didn't know how to respectfully treat officers like a basic soldier. But at the same time, they needed to to teach that level of discipline and drill and ceremony and physical fitness and the basic introductions to the army. And then, uh, so you completed that in February of last year, and then you went on to do the basic officer leaders course in San Antonio, Texas. And, uh, that's abbreviated bullock. But what I like to tell people is that teaches you how the army medical department fits into the greater army. Uh, I'm not sure you'd agree that that's mostly what it taught you, but uh, they split you off into different groups while you're there. Uh, Could you just talk about what the basic officer leaders course was for you and what you learned and the types of relationships that you developed there with other officers? Absolutely. Um, Bolick BOLC basic officer leaders course has a distance learning portion for the reserve component, which they take and then build on for the in-person course that we went to. In my Bolick, the active duty component had already been there for four weeks prior to our arrival. So we as reserve component had to integrate with them. We had one week prior to field and then we had three weeks in the field with our platoons. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much how it was when I went through too. So I completed mine in uh, the fall of 2016. and yeah, you nailed it right on the head. Us active duty people are there for a little bit before the reservists show up, but uh, I feel like we integrate people in pretty well. So, uh, Lieutenant I'm glad Lawrence, you had a good experience. Lieutenant Lawrence, when, yes, sir. Lieutenant Lawrence, when you're talking about field, the field exercise aspect, what, what did that look like? What, can you paint us a word picture of what that may have looked like for you? Sure. The first week we were in the field was all range. It was learning how to zero and qualify on the M16s or the M4s. It was learning how to operate a SYNCARS radio, how to do a nine-line evacuation request, and learn how to take down and put back together an M9 as an Army warrior task. Then week two was going out to different sites. We had 
a couple of ruck marches at that time and a couple of different exercises throughout. We had day and night land nav in week two. And then week three was all culminating 72-hour exercise. We staged a roll one facility, a roll two facility, and movement to contact activities, as well as clearing urban ops. So at 39 years old coming into this, I mean, I know you had DCC, which was a nice introduction and all that, but did, did the age ever enter into your mind while you were out there and saying, oh boy, I mean, this is a lot, Did or wasn't even like that? Honestly, it wasn't the age that was like that. I was keeping up with people who were, you know, significantly younger than I was because in the group that was with me and my platoon were a bunch of medical students who were, you know, 22, 23 years old. And here I am not quite old enough to be their mom, but definitely an older sister. And I'm keeping up with them with no problem. My issue was when I sprained my knee on the night navigation trail and it made the next few days a little harder. Gotcha. Gotcha. So age really shouldn't factor into this as long as you have, you know, you live a healthy lifestyle and you take care of yourself. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You have to eat right, hydrate properly, and, you know, listen to your instructors when you're out there. Sure. Absolutely. Lieutenant Tarman? Yeah. So at DCC and Bullock, you're with a whole group of people that you'd never met before, hadn't interacted with them or worked with them. Um, But you've said that these are your people, even though you've never met them before. Uh, I guess a feeling of like-mindedness. Could you expand on what you mean by that when you say these are your people? Absolutely. Um, I came from a military background. So being part of the army is just part of my blood. In meeting people at DCC and at Bullock, I was fortunate enough to follow the same cohort of active duty soldiers from DCC into Bullock. So I had the same people for both trainings and they've become lifelong friends. It, it's people who want to do good. It's people who want to be there for their communities and for each other. It's healthcare professionals and the logistics support people. And, you know, being able to make lifelong friends out of complete strangers is a blessing that only the military service that I know can provide. Um, Sarah Fitz, do you have something else to ask Lieutenant Lawrence? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lieutenant Lawrence, you know, really appreciate this conversation. Um, let me ask you this. Currently, with the COVID-19 and the coronavirus that's going on right now, um, we talked to Dr. Homan or Captain Homan the other day, who's a dentist, and he said, you know, based upon his profession and the oath in which he takes, it's his job to go to work every day. And I know that you've been on the front lines of this uh, these extraordinary times right now as well. Um, what has your experience been uh, with COVID-19, coronavirus, and um, your willingness to participate in the care of people right now? What is that? Can you talk to us about that, please? I can, and I'm going to preface this by saying my experience is absolutely atypical for nursing because I come from a procedural background. We, I worked in the cath lab, and I work in the cath lab extension where we pre- and post-procedure Um, prep for patients that are having biopsies done, ports done, um, other vascular studies, cardiac caths, and some electrophysiology studies. Most of our patients are outpatients and they come in for elective procedures. So we've had strong reduction in, in those number of procedures that we've been seeing as a result of trying to eliminate bringing people into the hospital that don't need to be there. 
in the emergency setting, when we have a patient having a heart attack, we have taken all proper precautions to prevent the spread of disease if that patient has COVID-19 unbeknownst to any of us. And um, we took the social distancing into effect. We've limited the number of people in the department day to day in order to try and prevent the spread as much as possible between the healthcare workers. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And um, yeah, it, it, like I said, it's unprecedented times and something that, you know, it, it's always conscious with, with our people that we've, we've been able to, uh, you know, those that have already commissioned for us and that are actually doing the nation's business out there, our army reservists, and then the, uh, the individuals that we're currently processing and all that, we keep them in the forefront of our mind every single day. Let me ask you this. Can you talk to me about a typical day in the Army Reserves, what you found, and um, what uh, what motivates you as you walk in on a weekend? So my typical weekend drills are readiness exercises, whether that readiness is physical fitness, whether that's records readiness, whether it's medical, dental, or whatever other pieces we need to accomplish so that we are green to go when called upon by the Army to serve whether it's now in our nation with the COVID response or overseas as needed. Okay. What is the professionalism like that you encounter in the Army Reserves? Not being able to compare the active duty side because I don't know the active duty side and working with people that are professionals in their fields. It seems like we do have a high level of professionalism between even the enlisted and officer ranks. Everybody seems to communicate very well in our unit. And I'm hoping that that's not an anomaly. I'm hoping that that's across the reserves. But we have a great team in our unit. Everyone looks out for each other. The enlisted look out for the officers and vice versa. That's great. Have you learned anything that from the Army Reserves that you get to take, whether it's, uh, whether it's professional development or the way in which you do the job in the reserves? Have you learned any skills or any uh, background that you could take to private to private practice or private healthcare? The communication skills that are taught in the military and the leadership skills absolutely have helped me to develop myself as a nurse, as a leader within my department and within the hospital that I worked in. Um, and even in family and talking to friends and learning how to help with resiliency, um, that has really helped a lot of my friends at this time when we are in these unprecedented, stressful unknowns. Absolutely. I, pr- I practice Army resiliency all the time, every single day. As a matter of fact, there's such good information in that, especially in these times, that uh, it's great to have that conversation be able to help people out. I know Lieutenant Tarman, uh, he talks about being resilient every time we get on the phone and uh, keeping a positive mental attitude under these times because we can't get together as a team and all that. Uh, Lieutenant Tarman, do you have any questions? Uh, yeah, I want to uh, ask Lieutenant Lawrence what her experience with the Army benefits has been. So the Army Reserve is offering you different benefits and perks of volunteering your time and answering that call to serve our nation. Uh, what's been your experience with any of those benefits? What have you found helpful for you and your family? So working in a hospital, initially I kept the hospital's health insurance. But when I sat down and compared line by line, TRICARE offered better coverage for less money than I was paying as a hospital employee. So we opted into TRICARE for my family. We take advantage of the SGLI benefit uh, for myself and for my husband. And 
you know, being able to access commissaries when we're close to post and the military exchange, whether online or from home, offers great selections that that we're able to benefit from. That's great. That, that's fantastic. I'm glad you're taking advantage of that. I know, for example, uh, when we talked to Captain Homan last week, he said he was paying over $1,000 a month just for him specifically. And then through TRICARE Reserve Select, um, you know, we're talking about $221 or somewhere right around there for a family. I mean, that's that's unprecedented. So I'm glad you're taking advantage of that. And I, I know you also got a, a bonus as well when you came in. And that's something that you get to use that bonus for, you know, whatever you want to use it for. Um, in your particular case, you didn't have student loans, so that wasn't an issue for you. So, you know, we get to see you and see you in uniform and, and see you on the weekends and, and uh, you know, hear your Army story. And it's pretty unique, you know, joining at or commissioning at 39, direct commissioning. That's pretty cool. But you also have a family. You're married and you have two children. Katie and Wesley, um, can you talk to me about uh, something significant that's happened within your family uh, with your son, Wesley? Are you referring to when I got to administer his oath of enlistment to the Army this last fall? Sure. Talk to me about how that came about <laughs> with him and, and uh, let us know how uh, that young man is doing right now. So I asked um, when I was talking to Sergeant Gosselin at the Akron Recruiting if it was possible for me to administer Wesley's oath of office because I knew that as an officer, I was able to do commissionings. I was able to do enlistments and reenlistments. And Sergeant Gosselin made it so that I could go to the MEP station in Cleveland and administer the oath of enlistment to my son in a private ceremony. That, that is something else. You know, it's the call to service, um, getting to see a everyday hero in his life, you know, made him want to go ahead and enlist in the Army. And he's going to have a lot of success because he has that background from the Boy Scouts. So he's coming from a values-based background. And then to have you and your husband and his awesome sister, you know, uh, motivate him and, uh, you know, have his back is, is something else. And uh, we're very excited to have him on our team as well. Uh mother-son team is, is really unique in that experience to be able to, you know, have him raise his right hand in front of you. Uh, it's, it's such a cool story and, uh, we really appreciate both of you for that. Let's move into closing here. Um, Lieutenant Tarman closing statement. Yeah, I just, I have one more question I'd like to ask Lieutenant Lawrence in closing. And that is if you had one thing to leave your peers with who, uh, might be considering serving in the Army Reserve, or that hasn't even been a thought of theirs, uh, what is that one thing that you would like to tell them? I'd like to tell them to seek out the opportunity. There are so many ways that the Army Reserves can help you as a person, but there's so many more ways that you can help your country by serving in the Army Reserves. You don't have to do 20 years to make a difference. You can do a three or a six-year commitment and still have the opportunity to make a huge difference. So please please seek out the opportunity to try. Yeah, that's that's very well put. And that's what we like to tell people too. I'll send it over to Sergeant uh, First Class Fitzwater to close this thing out. But thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. My pleasure, gentlemen. Lieutenant Tarman, thank you very much for your time. Lieutenant Lawrence, it's always great to talk to you. Again, we have a personal relationship outside of the Army. And to see your progression from my standpoint, and I, and I got you beat by a couple of years. So. Uh, but to see you know, your progression over the years from running a, a Cub Scout to, to working with Boy Scouts to going to nursing school later on in life and then to see the success that you've had in the healthcare field 
and then getting to the point where you went ahead and commissioned and then Wesley's enlistment. I just think it's, it's a wonderful story. It's an American story. Uh, we really appreciate you and what you're doing and your teammates um, at the 256. And uh, again, thank you very much for your time. And I leave everyone with this. If you are interested in continuing the conversation or starting the conversation about Army medicine or the Army Nurse Corps, know that we have subject, subject matter experts like Lieutenant Lawrence that could go ahead and uh, you could talk to and kind of get a feel for what it's about. Uh, you could reach us um, at 216-402-6352. Again, 216-402-6352. Thank you very much for your time. Army team.